Can anyone hear me now? I can. I can Richard, hear you, can you hear me? Like that was that was such a disorienting experience. I was getting notes that people could hear me, but couldn't hear others, and could hear Richard, but couldn't hear me, and couldn't hear the caller. Just mayhem. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got a new room now, and uh, okay, let's like. All right. <laughs> if anybody wants to come up, come up. Um, if not, we don't have to proceed that longer. Maybe we just have to cut our losses. Um, any Andrews left or anybody, you know, now I feel like, I don't know. Should, should we go through the whole DeSantis conversation again? All right. Here's the, here we have an Andrew. All right, Andrew. Yeah. I just, <clears throat> I just wanted to bring up the point that I think that this conversation about whether or not DeSantis is a neocon or not, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, well, we didn't use that word. Well, I, I know you didn't, but I think that is kind of a good – basically, I think he's a smart neocon, and I think that there are a lot of dumb neocons. I, I just – I think he wants to reorient away from Ukraine towards China, and this is a way of maneuvering to potentially do that. I mean, I think that's a pretty mainstream Republican position, and you know, I he's certainly not an isolationist, and he's certainly not anything like even the rhetoric of – Trump, even though Trump as president was not necessarily an isolationist either. I just, uh, you know, this statement from DeSantis has gotten a lot of people really excited. And I'm kind of leaning with Michael here in that I don't see the giant distinction between him and other smart neocons. There's a lot of dumb neocons that think that Russia's the, you know, main contender when it comes to the United States, like Lindsey Graham, it seems like focuses more on Russia, but I don't know. Do you think that's a distinction worth making or? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's particularly helpful to get into a, like a nomenclatural debate over whether he's a quote neocon or not. I mean, that sort of has ceased to have much meaning, I, I think, because you can be just a conventional Republican and even have scorn for like the crew of just quintessential neocons that who actually do subscribe to something that like resembles a neocon doctrine, you know, like a Bill Crystal or something like not liking Bill Crystal at this point, or Liz Cheney, if you want to say she's a neocon, which, you know, it's not unreasonable. That doesn't tell you a whole, a whole lot about the Republican in question and their sort of position within the party, because that's to, to, like disliking Liz Cheney is like a unifier within the Republican Party, right? So you got to be a little bit more fine-tuned in how you're evaluating somebody like a DeSantis relative to others. Um, so, uh, but I think actually the contrast with Trump is telling. You know, not that, not to absolve Trump on everything that he did in terms of foreign policy, which, uh, much of which contradicted his campaign rhetoric, right? But there were a few things that Trump did in office that, you know, don't require any speculation to establish that maybe probably do give some insight into what he's saying he would do now vis-a-vis Ukraine, right? So he actually did go against the grain in terms of his diplomatic overtures with certain world players, Kim Jong-un being probably the most prominent example, but also uh, uh, forging direct negotiations with the Taliban. Now, of course, it ended up being Biden who actually carried out the withdrawal in Afghanistan, but Trump, for the first time, started engaging in direct talks with the Taliban, which, you know, not 
that long before would have seemed like a crazy thing. How could you negotiate with, you know, the terrorists and what have you? Trump did that. So there's act, there actually is a record. And he act, Trump even at times like expressed potential interest in uh, negotiate, to negotiations with, you know, the leader of Iran and what have you. That didn't pan out. Um, so there is something of a record that establishes that Trump isn't just totally blowing hot air when he says that he would want to do sort of convention-defying direct negotiations in geopolitically fraught circumstances. So it's not it, – it, it doesn't seem – totally outside the realm of possibility that when he says that he actually would deviate starkly from U.S. foreign policy consensus as of now with Ukraine, unlike uh, DeSantis, and immediately initiate direct negotiations um, or ha- be the, you know, mediate between Ukraine and Russia, of course, even to call it uh, mediating is sort of a misnomer because it would be the U.S. who was actually, you know, more so the key negotiating participant than, than Ukraine. Um, so when, but regardless, when Trump says that he would do something drastically different from what the Biden administration says that it would do now and start negotiations, that actually is a genuine departure. Uh, and that's a policy, you know, that's a statement of a position statement that is, you know, could make a, a very, you know, palpable impact were to be implemented. Um, DeSantis having not espoused anything like that uh, or, you know, deviating not even anywhere approaching what Trump did with just that one statement of his position, you know, I yeah. think is a, is a relevant, con- is a relevant contrast. Yeah. That's, that's more, more the point I was trying to elucidate there. I don't see DeSantis as making an ideological break in, or even attempting to is the same way as Trump clearly did. Anyway, I'm going to drop so the first Andrew could actually get us. Okay. All right, Andrew, the OG Andrew, you are back. Thank you, Michael. You know, um, I got to say, you, you had like a, a large sigh that I was coming back and I was giving you props, you know, I'm telling you, you, you smacked around Richard uh, Richard, don't take it too hard. You just have the wrong position. You know, you can you can still switch it. There's still time to say, ooh, DeSantis, not a good guy. You know, taking money from Ken Griffin, aligning with Jeb Bush guy. and Paul Ryan. I didn't say he was a good guy. I have no opinion on that. No, but just that he is an inauthentic, terrible candidate. Uh, he should actually stop what he's doing. Uh, he should repent uh, there is no reason that he should be running right now. He's causing a rift in the Republican Party when all of us should be thinking about election fraud. How are we going to win an election if we don't go to the state legislatures and clean up the rigged voting machines, clean up the rigged elections? But instead of doing that, we're having these dumb Trump-DeSantis fights. DeSantis needs to sit down, not his turn, got the wrong position, got the wrong allies. We need to get behind uh, the stronger candidates, pull them to the right, and fix the election laws. That's what we should be doing. Not this this retarded. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> if you're saying I smacked around Richard on those grounds, that I mean, that's not really my argument at all with regard to DeSantis. I was I had a, I'm making a narrow point on the Ukraine statement. So whether he's a good candidate or not, or whether he's beneficial not to the Republican Party or causing problems, you know, that I'm not really as interested in. I, I know that line of argument, obviously, with regard to DeSantis, but. Even just on your own terms there, here's one part I'm not sure I would agree with. And this is just like kind of pure pundit, you know, prognostication. But I don't think it's 
correct that he's a bad candidate, at least if you're talking about, like, would he be a politically successful candidate? Um, I think he stands a good chance to be a politically successful candidate. I think he has shown fairly substantial political acumen. Um, obviously, that that's a separate discussion from whether he'd be substantively, quote, good, which is obviously an argument that you'd also have to have. But just in terms of, like, raw political uh, potential, I think he uh, clearly has it. And to say, you know, wait your turn, you know, no nobody who finds themselves reasonably in the running to get the nomination of one of the two main political parties and then potentially run, uh, win the presidency – I think it's going to be that persuaded by like just scolding that they should quote wait their turn because you don't know what's going to be the uh, what the circumstances are going to be in four or eight years or what have you or you don't know that you're ever going to be able to seize upon this opening or this momentum that you happen to have now given the coalescence of sort of factors that led to this current moment um, you know. So uh, that, that I think, is probably a little bit off in terms of how to sort of berate him out of the race if that's what you want to do. I mean, that's what a lot of Hillary Clinton people tried to do to Obama in 2008. Obviously, you know, different set of uh, circumstances there. Uh, but, you know, it was a similar thing that there was just this presumption that it was Hillary's rightful yeah. place to get the nomination that year because of – all she had endured, I guess, or whatever, whatever the, the the victimhood complex was. And Obama, he was fresh. He was, uh, he was sort of an amateur. He was um, just new on the scene. And so, you know, you know, he would have a long career. He should just wait his turn. Um, well, no, I mean, Obama had a particular momentum and a particular sort of uh, novelty around him at the time, and he seized upon that, and you know, made the most of that opening politically. Um, so. I don't know. That's I, I think you know you'd be hard pressed to say that. Oh, you know, because Donald Trump, you know, has to run for a third time. Um, you need to be a good boy and just uh, wait your turn. I doubt that'll work. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, he'd be a fool not to not to run and not to go for it. I mean, DeSantis is peaking at the right moment. He had a big win in Florida in twenty twenty two. The Trumpist candidates all did poorly. I mean, he's a popular governor. You have no idea what's going to happen in four years, right? There could be a depression. If Trump wins, there's a depression. You know, there's no chance any Republican could win. Um, yeah, you take the opportunity. If you're in the top two, right, if you're polling and you're one of the top two, you take that opportunity because, you know, who knows what will happen, right? Betting odds give a 30 40% chance. Say about the same as Trump, you know. As far as who's the more electable, it's hard to say. Uh, DeSantis is, you know, done politically very well in Florida, he polls a few points better than Biden does, but, you know, Trump probably has better electoral college uh, uh, coalition. And, you know, that's hard. We don't know for sure how DeSantis is going to look on the campaign. Polls better than Tr Biden does or than Trump does? No, no. DeSantis against Biden, I've, of the polls I've seen, DeSantis is like a few points, does a few points better than Trump does right, against right. Biden. So, like I saw, yeah, I think that that's all that's all kind of within the margin of error, I think, at this point. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's a few points. Um, so, you know, who knows? Uh, <clears throat> but then also, if, if, he, if you're just thinking about the political self-interest of DeSantis, right? So even if he were to run and then uh, and lose or run and like, cut a deal with Trump and or run and no, he's, not he's run. end up getting the nomination, right? It's still yeah. going to 
enhance his political standing such that he'll be like the second most, you know, influential Republican bar uh, bar none, and then would be, you know, at least very well positioned to then run down the line. And he is young, and you know, Ronald Reagan ran against Ronald Reagan tried to primary the incumbent Republican president in 1976 yeah. almost Andrew, yeah. beat him for the nomination and then he was just the presumed nominee in 1980 um so the the, the logic all militates toward doing it whatever the outcome if you're just talking about pure political self-interest yeah you're absolutely right i think andrew has a sort of a uh, he seems like has attachment to trump and doesn't want anybody to challenge trump but definitely from a status perspective this is the time to this is the time to run definitely yeah, I'm not even saying, you know, run. I'm not even saying that he should run, but, but I'm like for my own, like as my own preference or anything. I'm just saying if you look at it from the standpoint of what his personal political oh, yeah, self interest should be, then it, it only makes sense for him to run. Yeah, I wasn't accusing you of uh, being no. his biggest fan. No, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, all right. Any, uh, any quick closing thoughts? Anything else of note? Uh, or you want to wrap it up and do other things with our lives? Uh, no, I think. Did you that... see that? Did you see that? Th- did you read that uh, that uh, World War post World War II history thread that I did that ended up unexpectedly causing a uh, bit of a furor? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I mean, I knew some of the details. I didn't know it was like I didn't know there was until 2012 until a book came out. I thought it was sort of a, I thought it was already well done, but yeah, I did see that. Yeah, which is sort of interesting. I mean, I don't know. I just had this thought where, at least going on how this guy, Douglas, the author of this book that came out in 2012 on this, uh, you know, the basically the forced, forced expulsion of ethnic Germans after the Allied victory in 1945. Uh, if that whole event, which he describes, I mean, the author of this book, he describes as the most large-scale forced, you know, forcible movement of people, you know, forced expulsion of people ever. If that were more emphasized in just like popular conceptions of World War II, I just think it would be just a sea change in you know, the the way that that event like functions as this guiding light of how or like organizing principle of society and is invoked as this you know bludgeon that you could used to tell everybody the third Neville Chamberlain and we meet what you wouldn't have helped Poland yeah. when Hitler invaded and no, you're an appeaser or whatever. I just think, you know, there's a very particular, particularized narrative that stems from World War II that's used for contemporary sort of propaganda purposes that if like a few things were shifted around or if a few like narrative tweaks were made or, you know, you know, kind of few t- twists and turns in like the, sweep of history had you know gone different directions then you know they couldn't make that same kind of argument i don't know just i was just struck by how many people you know including people who said that they were aware of they had even like gone out of their way to like you know be a conscientious student of world war ii have just been totally oblivious to that you know period um, which he estimates, you know, resulted in ten th- a million deaths, or even just even just this, this little tidbit, right? With when most people thought of the Holocaust or pe- thought of you know Nazi Germany, if they had all, if they simultaneously also thought of or were aware of that 
when the Allies, you know, liberated the camps, right, they, by and large, didn't put the camps out of use. They just started using the camps themselves for, like, lots of the same types of purposes, not like the systematized mass extermination purpose. That had been over for a while, you know, for Jews. But, you know, basically, you know, putting together you know, pretty, uh, uh, these people in squalid conditions and causing lots of deaths and syst- uh, syst- systemic rapes, and blah, blah, blah. And he says a million deaths, right, stem from just that one episode of when the United States was running these this camp system to bring in Germans, uh, ethnic Germans from, you know, Czechoslovakia and yeah. so forth who had been expelled. Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, I don't know. It's just uh, interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, we should talk about World War Two. We should probably uh, yeah talk about that. I think in uh, probably next time. The also I wanted to talk about the the pipeline story in the Wall Street Journal today, uh, but yeah, it's getting late. So uh, let's yep. let's put a pin in it and go back to it next week. All right, let's do that. Bye bye, everybody. Uh, good night.